was talking to a friend via text as I was uh, led into this conversation by some of our young people here. And, and as we got talking, good friend of mine, Pastor Chris Estrada from California, uh, just said, hey, I'm available, Pastor Justin, if you want me to speak into the life of Presence Church. And right now, if you're part of our community, you would know that we've been speaking here at Presence Church of conquering in seasons when we're facing storms, when obstacles are in our way, or even when we're coming up against giants. Pastor Chris has an amazing message for us. He's coming right now from California. Uh, in your lounge room, would you give him a round of applause as we tune in to Pastor Chris? Pastor Chris, it's all yours. Hey, thank you, Pastor Justin. Man, Presence Church is an incredible honor to stand in this moment with you, and we can still gather around the Word, around each other, and be able to have church. And I know that you are the type of church that thrives on a fresh Word, and that's exactly what I have in my heart for you today. I'm just, again, I'm, I'm very grateful to come back into, uh, into your lives. You know, I was with you guys a couple of years ago, and just an unforgettable time. But I, I as much as I would love love to be there in person. I think this is definitely second best. So I don't take it lightly. Thank you so much for receiving me. And uh, I've realized now we've got a lot of new friends uh, at Presence Church. And so let me take a quick moment and tell you my story so you know where I'm coming from, okay? I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico. And honestly, uh, you don't go to my city to vacation. It's not like the Gold Coast, all right? You go for one of two reasons. You either go to visit family or to do something illegal. All right. And so um, I remember growing up by the age of 12, I had a drug addiction, a lust problem and an anger issue. But I love to play basketball. So I go to this church that had a gym and they would open up their gym right before their service so they could pull everybody, all the students from the gym to the service. I would never go. I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. And then the youth pastor got involved in my life and he said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? And I said, well, there are going to be hot girls at this camp. Honestly, I had no idea what camp was. He said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I said, there's going to be fine girls at this camp. He said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. Hey, I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I got called into ministry all in one night. It was a game-changing night for me. From that point forward, I went to Bible college, stepped into business, was a missionary in Sri Lanka, ended up taking over a youth ministry, and we pastored into a sweeping revival culture that was taking ground every day. And honestly, the last 11 years of my life, I've transitioned, uh, and I spent the, over a little a year over a decade to be able to raise and release the next wave of influencers. And I do that from my this is my opinion from the best Bible college on the planet, Missions Me College, located right here in Southern California. And there's no way I could do that alone. I have my beautiful wife Erica, who we've been married for 16 years, and we have four amazing kids. I'm a blessed man, but I can't think of a better place to be than right here with you, whether you're you're in your living room, still in bed, out the couch, at an office, or at church. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just grateful we have something fresh and, and, and something that's coming out of the heart of God. Now, I will say this. I want you to respond, fire up the chat, throw something in the comments, talk back. I think God, words, God's word deserves a response, right? And so let's respond back to the word. I, I want to talk from this subject this morning. I want to talk fueled for life. That's the title of the message. I want you to take notes. I surely hope that you are. But fueled for life. Turn on your Bible. Go to Luke chapter 316. Luke 
3.16. I think John 3.16 is probably the most recognized verse in all the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Man, that is a powerful verse. But I think Luke 3.16 is just important. As you're turning on your Bible, go in there, open it up and find it. Let me tell you a story. You know, I, I grew up uh, in, in an incredible environment thanks to two complete strangers who would become my grandparents. These two, this men and women, these two people adopted my mom into abused and neglected home. She was the first kid in this home. So I grew up as my mom had us as children. I grew up knowing them as grandma and grandpa. And my grandfather loved horses. His favorite horse was named Bugsy. I don't know why you go and name a horse Bugsy, but the man named his horse Bugsy. It's like naming the hamster rhino or the chihuahua elephant. It don't make any sense, but it's yours. You can name it whatever you want. And so I, um, I remember my job when I would go visit my grandparents on the weekend is I would actually feed the horses with hay and I would water and I would put water in this like 50 gallon. I don't know how many liters that is, but these 50 gallon drums, uh, full of water. And then I would go to bed. So I did that. Now, when I did this one night, I put all the hay in there, I filled it with water, but I may or may not have put the water a little too far. Because when I got up the next morning, I went to go and feed the horse and put water in this 50-gallon drum. And I'll never forget, the horse is in a whole new position than I've ever seen it in. It's literally like this, like that, just like that, with its tongue hanging. Said, this horse choked itself to death trying to get to the water. Now, I'm thinking, I just murdered my, fav my, my grandfather's favorite horse. So I've got uh, one of two options. I either go and tell him or I hide the evidence. So I probably watched one too many mafia movies. So I thought if I burn the body, ha, then I can make up a story that the horse ran away. There's no evidence, no crime. I'm out, right? I'm free. So I go and grab as much petrol, and I get, I get as much as I can. And first I start out with just a little bit because I think a little bit will just do. And I put petrol on the, on the horse, and I light the match, and whoosh, a little flame occurs. But then about a minute or two later, I watch the flame go out. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this horse? Like, it won't die again, you know? So I take more petrol, and I dump more petrol all over the horse's body. Now it's starting to look like a smoldering carcass. And I remember it starts on fire and whoosh, you know, an even bigger flame as it starts. But then about five, six minutes later, it goes out. Lasted longer because it had the gas, but it didn't do anything. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Listen, I, I don't know if you've ever burned a fresh body before, but it'd be pretty awkward if you had. I'm just going to tell you right now, but I was a weird kid. And I'm thinking, what is going on? There's no way this body, this is going to work. So I decided, let me go get as much dry wood, as much newspaper, everything that can be burned. Let me put it on top and around uh, this horse and I'll dump the rest of the petrol all over it. So that's what I do. I stack this thing high. It looks like a bonfire. I dump all the petrol I could find. I light the match. Whoosh! All of a sudden, you could see this flame. Whoa, I'm telling you, this flame was so big, you could see it from space. And this thing was huge. And I'm sitting there. Well, it was at that time the flame got so big that I remember it caught a part of the field. I was in a dry field. I was in a dry field. And I remember the field catches on fire. So I go and I start putting out the fire in the field. And I'm, I'm probably spent a good 15 minutes trying to put it out. By some miracle I did, I turn around. And the after 20 minutes of dropping that match on all that petrol, all that dry wood, all that newspaper, the fire went out. 
And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this horse? And as all the smoke is rising and it's everything smoldering, through the smoke, I can see the figure of a man appear and he's holding something. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is not Jesus, all right, for all you spiritually weird people. I'm telling you, this was not Jesus. It was my grandfather, and I could see him approaching me. Man, he spanked me so hard. I couldn't sit down for a week. Old school, old school right there. And I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. But you know what? I, I'm reminded, I think some of us may, uh, and myself included, I believe some of us can be like that horse that we love catching fire, but we don't know how to keep fire. We love getting lit, but we don't know how to stay lit. We love getting around heat, but we don't know how to generate our own heat. And allow me to take you on a journey, if you will. Look in your Bible. I love this. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I am going to throw a ton of scripture at you. It is my intention to water hose you. I don't want you drinking from a water hose. I want you drinking from a fire hydrant right now. (laughs) That's how I want you to feel, okay? And so I I want to write down the scriptures Don't worry about taking all the notes. Just get the scriptures. Go to them later because I want to unload all this on you. Luke chapter 3, verse 16, it says, John answered them all. Now, John is clearing up rumors that people are saying, maybe John's the Messiah. Maybe he's the one prophesied about. Maybe he should be the one we should be looking to because there is nobody else at this time. And John had to clear up all the rumors. This is what he said. He said, John answered them all. He said, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He said, watch this, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, watch this, and fire. Did you see that right there? The Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you have to ask, what is the baptism of fire? A lot of people think the baptism of fire is praying loud, it's being radical, it's taking big risks, and I believe there is a fiery to that. But the truth is, let me tell you what the baptism of fire is. It is to have a passionate desire for Him and Him alone. His presence, come on, Presence Church, alone. And allow me to take you on a journey to show you what fire plays, how, how crucial a role fire plays in who God is, his word, his angels, and in us. Did you know that fire is a part of God's nature? Fire, right? Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a what? A consuming fire. Come on, put a fire emoji in the chat or the comments right now. Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 16. This is John the Revelator writing the book of Revelations on the island of Patmos, and he has a vision of Jesus. This is how he describes Jesus. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire, and his face shone like the sun in all of its brilliance. Our God, his nature is a fire. He's a consuming fire. Did you know that God's word is like fire? Even Jeremiah said this. He said, I won't speak anymore his name because his word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I like Luke 24, 32, when Jesus, after he's resurrected, he's walking on the road to Damascus. And it says that he's explaining everything from the beginning to the law, to the prophets, to current events. Yet people, these two men that are walking, don't recognize that it's Jesus. And then all of a sudden when they do, he immediately disappears. And this is what they said when Jesus spoke to him, his word. He said, these two men said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us? Psalms 119, 105 says, your 
word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. What's a lamp? What's a light? It's a fire. God's word is a fire. Even Jeremiah said, uh, and the Lord told to Jeremiah, is not my word like a fire? Jeremiah 23, 29. Did you know God's angels are like fire? John 5, 35. It says John was a lamp that, I'm sorry, his angel, Psalms 104, verse 4. I got ahead of myself. Psalms 104, verse 4. It says, this is the psalmist talking about angels. His angels are like fire. It says, verse 4, he makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Do you remember in 2 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha and his servant are surrounded by the Syrian army and, this, and Elisha's servant is panicking and Elisha prays for the servant. He says, Lord, open his eyes. And then when his eyes are open to the supernatural realm, what does he see? He sees that although he's surrounded by his enemy, he sees the hills and the mountains are full of chariots and horses and angels of what? Fire. Why? Because his angels are like fire. Did you know that God's people should be on fire? Yeah, look at John 5, verse 35. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Look at this, John 5, 35. He said, John the Baptist was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. He's literally saying, John was a walking flame. He was a walking fire. I believe present church is full of this. There are people who are consumed and covered by an almighty God of fire. Look at Luke 12, 49. Jesus said, he says, I've come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. In Luke 12, 35, he, Jesus even reminded, said, be dressed and ready for service. Watch this. Keep your lamps burning. Keep your fire hot. Keep your fire bright and keep your fire at the highest level because he's wanting to use it to light up all kinds of darkness and cause it to flee. Here's my question. Do you and I have this kind of fire or is our cell phone still brighter than your fire? I think it, listen, I think the people are like that horse. Again, they like to get lit but they don't know how to stay lit. They like to catch fire, but they don't know how to stay on fire. This is why everybody runs to another podcast. They run to another YouTube video. They run to another conference. They need another prayer. They need another man of God, a woman of God, a sister or a brother. They need someone else. Instead of taking this word and letting it feed the fire into what may be just a smoking ember, it says in Isaiah, he says, a bruised reed he won't bake, and a smoking ember he will not put out. He can fan that thing into a flame. That's what Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy. Flan, uh, fan into flame the gift of God that's on the inside of you. I don't know about anybody else, but man, I'm getting stirred right now because I think we've been invited to carry more fire. I'm not talking about a natural fire. I'm talking about a supernatural passion for him that I don't get distracted because the news says this or because politicians say that or my doctor said this or the weather says that or my past said this. I get stirred off of fresh feeding fire that's on the inside of me because my God is an all-consuming fire and he's a source. He's a supply that never goes dry. His arm is never short and he has never been defeated in thousands of years and friend, he's not going to stop doing it on your life. It's time to be fueled by fire. It's time to be fueled by this. Let me give you three things. If we're going to be fueled by fire, let me give you three things. Number one, this is so important. Number one, fire will transform you. Oh, this is so good. Fire will transform you. I love Malachi chapter three, verse two. 
he talks about this promise. God says, he says, for he is like a refiner's fire and he's also like a launderer's soap. God will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. In other words, he's going to purify the people of God. And then he says, I'm going to purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. I love the illustration of a refiner's fire. Let me just put this out there, all right? When you find gold, I'm going to drop some science knowledge on you just for a second, all right? When you find gold, normally in its natural state, you don't find gold alone. You find that there's other metals attached to it. Normally it's copper, zinc, or nickel. And in order to get the most value out of the gold, you have to remove these other metals, what they would call impurities, and remove it so you can get the most value out of that gold. And so the way they do that, they have to take it to a refiner's fire. I hope you're hearing me with spiritual hearing. And he gives the piece of gold to the refiner, and the refiner goes and heats up a hot fire, hotter than most fires could ever be. And then when the fire gets to the right temperature, he adds a separating agent, a chemical called flux, P-H-L-U-X, P-H-L-U-X. And this flux, this separating agent, can withstand the heat of the fire, but can also work to remove all the impurities. And then once the flux is spread out, he takes the gold and, listen, as soon as the gold touches that fire, that hot fire, he never takes his eyes off the gold. And when he sees copper uh, separate, he takes a big spoon and he puts copper in one pile, then zinc in another, and then nickel in another. And he's moving and he's constantly focused right here because the gold's in the fire. He never takes his eyes off the fire, but he knows with every scoop, with every removal, with every latch, what he's doing is he's increasing the value of the gold with every impurity that he removes. And you know when the refiner knows when he's done is that when he can see his reflection in the fire. Friend, gosh, I hope you're hearing me spiritual hearing. God has put you in a refiner's fire. Maybe your marriage, maybe even your own prayer closet, maybe this church, maybe in a discipleship relationship. And as you're in there, God is removing all of these things that would devalue and lie and limit and restrict you. And with everything God removes, both God and us should know that he's only increasing the value. And you know when God's done in that area of our life? It's when we look just like him in that area. Friend, I'm telling you, fire is going to transform you. I can't tell you how many years I cried out for fire. God, fill me with your fire. Put me on fire. I want to be on fire. And then God was trying to change me. And I was like, God, I just want to be on fire. I want to be radical. I want to be passionate. I want to be courageous. And God's saying, I want you to have integrity. I want you to have character. I want you to have spiritual depth. I don't want you to just have one-liners. I want you to have authority. I don't want you to just have anointing. I also want you to have authority. And God was transforming and changing and chiseling and causing things to tear down and building new things and adding things to me. Why? Because fire will transform you. Fire never leaves you the same way. That's why it says our God is a consuming fire. Let me tell you something else about fire. Man, this is so good. Let us know. Man, if you're getting something out of this, put it up in the chat. Put it in the comments. I can't wait to see it. I love this. Number two, if we're going to be filled for life, number number one, fire will transform you. Number two, fire changes everything. Fire changes everything. Everything. There's not one thing it won't change. You can always tell what's been on fire because it ceases to look like what it once did. 
That's how I know, listen, when people have been around Jesus because they cease to look like what they once were. They don't behave the same. They don't talk the same. They don't look at life the same. They don't carry themselves the same way. This is what actually stood out about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 after they told a beggar to rise and walk in the name of Jesus. They said that after they were deeply scrutinized, over-examined by the Jewish council, in, in Acts chapter 4 it says, even though they recognized these were untrained, and uneducated men, they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is what fire will do. Can I tell you something? There are things God can give you that no degree can give you. No, I'm telling you, listen, no degree will ever be worth more than a prayer life. And tell, I'm, you take it from someone who runs a worldwide Bible college. No degree will ever be able to stand up to what a prayer life, what a discipline in the word, what great godly character will be, what generosity will be, what risk-taking will be, being led of the Spirit. Why is this? Because we're fueled for life. I'm not fueled for the moment. I'm not just fueled for conference. I'm not fueled for services. And I'm not just fueled for spiritual moments. I'm fueled for life. I plan on lasting and outlasting my fears and outlasting all my weaknesses and outlasting all the lies because I'm fueled for life. Come on, if you're fueled for life, go ahead and throw it up in the chat in the comments. I am fueled for life, right? Let me give you this last thing because this is a great question I get all the time. People constantly ask me this all the time. They say, Pastor Chris, I want to carry the same fire you do. Or I've even told this to others and I've gotten the response. I've even asked this, how did you get to where you're at? How do you carry so much? How does God trust you so much? And it's interesting. I found this parable in this, for this question. Number three, if we're going to be filled for life, remember, fire will transform you. Number two, fire changes everything. And number three, how to keep the fire and intensify it. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25, it's the parable of 10 virgins. For the sake of time, I will tell you what it is, all right? Matthew 25, it says that there were 10 virgins. These represent pure people like you and I as Christians, as believers. 10 virgins. Yet, there were five that were foolish and five that were wise. And the reason what separated the wise from the foolish was that they knew that the bridegroom could come in the middle of the night. And so they all had to go and get a lamp and some had to get, others chose to buy more. But they knew the bride could come. Sure enough, the bride comes in the middle of the night and the foolish ones had only bought a lamp, but they didn't buy any oil. So they couldn't light their lamps. But the wise ones, they bought their lamps and their oil to where they could light and see in the dark and go out to meet their bridegroom. Sure enough, as they're walking out, the foolish ones tell the wise, please give us some of your oil. And the wise say this to him. They say, we cannot because there may not be enough for you, for you and us. Then they say this, go and buy some for yourself. Wow. This is a powerful statement. Go and get your own oil on your own. Nobody else can get you oil. Wow. This is powerful right here. This is, let me put it in our day. Let me just put it in our world for a second. This would be like, uh, us going to a store and saying, hey, we're going camping and uh, I, I'm going to need a, a, a lamp. And so the, wise, the foolish ones walk into the store and they say, how much is that lamp? And they say, well, that lamp is this much. And they consider the cost and they go, okay, I'll pay that much, but I won't give any more than that. 
And so they take their lamp and they go home and they're happy. Well, then all of a sudden, the, the wise ones come in. And they say, hey, I need a lamp and as much oil as this will buy me. And they start taking out their wallets, putting all their money. They sold their possessions. They bring that. They bring everything of value and they place it. And they buy one lamp and as much oil as this will buy them. And then they go home. Sure enough, in the middle of the night, there are going to be some that can see and some that cannot. Why is this important? Because I believe right now there are good Christians, great people who can see and there are some who can't see what God is doing in the earth. Now, hear me with spiritual hearing. I, I've, I, I've been privileged enough to travel all over the world. Man, I, I'm getting stirred right now. I feel a deposit of God. Anybody else feel the presence of God? I, I, I've, been, I've been so privileged to minister all over the world. I've pastored a great many years, and I'll never forget this. I could watch two different people, both love God. They come into the same service. They're in the same atmosphere, under the same, uh, on the same authority, hear the same word, answer the same altar call, prayed for by the same person, and one leaves with oil and the other doesn't. How does that happen? How do I go and buy some oil for myself? I'll tell you how. There's only one currency in heaven that gets you oil, and that is surrender. The truth is, the foolish ones walked in and said, how much is the, how much is the lamp? How much is, the, how, how much is it? And they say, I'll pay that and no more. The foolish ones will do enough to be spiritually active and considered a Christian, but then when it comes down to it, they don't have any spiritual insight, any spiritual sense. They don't have any spiritual lingering or any spiritual fruit. And even though they paid this much, they kept back part of their life. They prayed the prayer, but they didn't have the surrender. They were in the moment, and they have good, perfect church attendance, but their prayer closets are vacated. Their word is collecting dust. I'm telling you, this is what happens. But man, I believe Presence Church is full of some wise ones. The wise ones walked in and said, I don't just want the prayer, and I just don't want the altar call. I want him, and I want to stay on fire for him. I want the oil, baby, and I'm, so I'm giving up everything. I'm not just giving up my past. I'm giving up my future. I'm not just giving up my plans. I'm going to say yes to what he tells me to do. I'm not just giving up this or that. I'm going all in because I know that when I do that, guess what happens? Whether it's good or bad, he's with me and I get to sense it. Whether it's going the way I expected or it's going the way it unexpected, I have a stability about me. People notice that I'm not emotionally broken down. I'm not mentally broken down, but I'm steadfast. After I've done everything else to do, the Bible says, stand. I can stand on firm ground because I didn't just get my lamb. I didn't just get my prayer. I didn't just get my church attendance. I got him because I surrendered everything. Surrender is the only currency you can use to buy oil. Here's the great news. Woo! Feel this. Here's the great news. Heaven is not out of oil. Man, thank you, Jesus. He is not out of oil. You want to know how I know this? I love the story of the prophet when he walks by this widow and she says, do you not care that we're about to starve and die? I only have enough, enough flour and enough oil to make two cakes for me and my son and then we're going to starve to death. And the prophet says, what does he tell her? He says, make me the cakes. And then he says, go and grab that little jar of oil 
and get as many empty vessels as you possibly can. Mm, I hope you hear me right now. He says, get as many empty vessels as you possibly can. And so she goes to her neighbors. She goes to cousin she hadn't talked to in a long time. She's calling family she only saw one time at her, her wedding. I mean, she is, she's going asking everyone. She gets all the empty vessels. And it says, as many empty vessels as she gathered, that little tiny jar, God multiplied it and was able to fill all these other jars, vats and gallons. And not only did she get her oil, but she got a supernatural wealth increase. She went from broke to incredibly rich. Why? Because heaven's not out of oil. Man, I hope you hear me. Can I tell you something? God's not out of oil. He's out of open vessels. God is making room for the new in your life right now. That's why the fire is consuming everything, all the impurities, all the things that devalue. He's burning it all up and creating room for the new so that his oil can take place. And then the fire of God touches that, your oil and you are a new man. You are a new woman. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are dangerous for good. And now, even better, the devil doesn't intimidate you. He's scared of you. And he's breaking out in a cold sweat right now because I sense a stirring happening in Presence Church. I don't care if you're watching me in service or if you're watching me online or if you're watching me in your living room. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you sinned last night. I don't care if you're holy this morning. What I care is that you sense the presence of God. I declare woo, of increased awareness of God's presence right now. I declare an increased awareness of God's presence right now in the name of Jesus. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how bad or how good, how pleasant or uncomfortable this season has been. I know people are suffering incredible amounts of loss. I know people have lost more than just jobs and money. They've lost hope, peace of mind. They've lost everything. I'm here to tell you that God is making room for the new. And he can take all that brokenness and he can take all that hopelessness and he can let his oil cover you. You know what I believe? I believe that God has created this moment for you to meet him. You know, there, there, I want to offer you a gift, the gift of heaven. The Bible is very clear that when you die, you either go to this amazing place called heaven or this awful place called hell, and nobody wants to go there. In fact, hell was created for the devil and his angels, and the only thing that takes people to hell is sin. But Jesus took care of that because 2,000 years ago, he put on your sin and my sin, died on the cross, rose again, beat hell, death, the grave, and sin, and offers freedom from all of that both in this life and eternity. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to do it at this moment. I feel like there's a pull on your heart to do it. So I, listen, I want you to repeat after me. Now remember, we're not trying to be fueled for the moment. We're trying to be fueled for life. This is the starting line, and Pastor Justin is going to come on here and give you more instructions on what your next step should be, but I want to take advantage of this moment because I feel God moving in your life. Repeat after me and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're making room for the new in my life. Now I'm yours. In your name I pray. Amen.
men. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that, we believe you got saved. Come on, let's welcome church family. Let them know in the comments. Put the clap emoji and say welcome. This is a powerful moment for you. Like I said, Pastor Justin's going to come and give you some next steps. But I also want to pray for my Presence Church family. Come on, if you feel dry right now, if you've been battling that, come on, I got great news for you. Fire burns better in dry places anyways. I want to ask the holy fire God to touch your life. Baby, you need more oil. What that means is you need to surrender more. I'm going to ask for a grace to surrender to come on your life. Either way, I want to pray for those who have been moved by this word and say, I've got to respond. Pastor Chris, would you pray for me? Absolutely. Put your hand on your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release an all-consuming fire on your people. Lord, we don't want politically correct fire. We don't want just Sunday Mormons fire, God. Lord, we don't want cheap fire that draws us away from you, God. We want the blazing fire of the Holy Spirit. We don't want manageable fire, reasonable fire, synthetic fire. We want a historic outpouring of holy fire that ruins us for the rest of our lives. Lord, I ask that you would cause the dry to feel the heat of your fire. Lord, I ask for the empty right now that they would feel oil beginning to surround them and fill them right now. And I thank you that fire changes everything. Lord, we want to be transformed into your likeness. Come on your people now in the mighty name of Jesus. Man, it's been my true honor, Presence Church. Thank you for letting me break open God's word and impart it into your life. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Justin now. How good. Thank you, Pastor Chris, all the way from California. You know, uh, it was only last night uh, as, as I was talking to Chris and, and so forth that we felt and, and the prompting really to uh, to go this direction this morning. And I'm so grateful I did. Even I had a conversation with Sadie five minutes before we went live and it just spoke into exactly what we were speaking about. You know, reminded, I was reminded this week as I was preparing a message actually for this Sunday about Caleb and Joshua coming out of a, a place of the wilderness and going into a new land and I'm going to store that up. But something I just I just feel to remind you on as we end this stream right now, as you go into the week, is we have a God that is a father. He's the supplier for everything we need. I love that as he pulled the people out of slavery, he provided his fire by night and his cloud by day. And I want to tell you, as we've just heard an amazing, inspiring message that God has got you covered. This week, the only responsibility that we have is to walk and surrender and trust that God will put you in the right place at the right time. Let me pray for you as we go out of here. Remember, if you're a man at Presence Church, maybe you're not part of Presence Church and you just want to join a prayer meeting, 6.30 a.m. Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be live here on Wednesday night. Hey, our young adult girls, uh, uh, Verity, they have a Living It Up podcast. You can go on Apple iTunes and check that out. So many good things coming out of uh, Presence Church here in the city. Father, I just thank you for Pastor Chris and the word this morning. I thank you that it speaks into what it takes to be a conqueror as we face seas and storms and obstacles and giants. This morning, God, I thank you for this, uh, this, this, this fresh oil, this fresh fire, this fresh word for us as a community. God, even though we're socially distant, even now in this moment, I just thank you, Lord, that we have unity through the opportunity that we have of stream. God, across uh, all of our families, across all of the young people, to the old people. Lord, I thank you that your hedge of protection is around them. Lord, I thank you that Hebrews says that your angels are sent as ministers. And Lord Jesus, this, this week, I just pray that they would be ministered to by your angelic host, angelic presence, and kept safe. In the mighty name of Jesus, hey, we'll see you throughout the week. God bless and take care. From Presence Church, have an amazing week.